BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey everyone, welcome to an all new Dove Talk brought to you by Wendy's new big bacon cheddar cheeseburger for a limited time only at participating U.S. Wendy's. I'm Grant Liffman alongside Kendra Andrews as always. And boy, oh boy, do we have a good episode for you on this one. We have Monty Poole having an exclusive interview with assistant coach of the Warriors, Kenny Atkinson, as well as we'll release part two of El Viaje showing Juan Toscano Anderson's journey to the NBA and just everything about his life growing up. It is a fantastic look at everything that has just contributed to who he is as a person right now. But Kendra, let's get to training camp. And first and foremost, what is the biggest new development? Well, Grant, the biggest new development is that Draymond Green has arrived. Draymond was absent from media day. On Monday, he missed the first two days of training camp, Tuesday and Wednesday. But on Thursday, he finally made his way to Chase Center. Now, we're still not sure exactly why Draymond missed media day in the first two days of camp. It was an excused personal absence. Um, But from what Steve Kerr said, there was no concern over Draymond Green missing those days. He said because of the, the magnitude of whatever personal thing was happening in Draymond's life, there, there was no uh, tension. There was no butting heads. There was complete understandings. But at the same time, having Draymond Green back, he's clearly a leader of this team, a very important voice for this team to have. So now they can kind of breathe that sigh of relief that he is with the team. Absolutely. And, and on media day, what you talked about, the big concern, uh, whether Draymond Green was back at practice, whether Andrew Wiggins, you know, the vaccination status is just building cohesiveness, building the chemistry with the team. And you need them all together because this is a new team. This is a new group that needs to figure it out because first of all, they need to do as well as they can early in the season without clay. And they really need to play together as one. And also we talked about it before. It's not easy playing with Steph Curry, but it's also an adjustment playing with Draymond Green. You know, he's very specific on how he plays. And when he gets the ball in his hands, he wants players in certain situations. So these new guys need to learn how to play with Draymond. And from what I've seen and and you've been around and you've been over at Chase Center, it seems like Draymond Green is already in the ear of a lot of younger players and he's just already making his presence felt. Yeah, well, we all know that he was a very uh, vocal mentor for James Wiseman last season, so we can expect that conti- that to continue. But there was also videos, and we saw it on the practice floor for those of us who were there, of him in the ear of Jonathan Kaminga, you know, other young guys. Moses Moody's new to this team. Even players like Juan Toscano, who's a, a you know, a old rookie, a young vet. I don't know which way you want to put it, but you know, he's still a less experienced player. Jordan Poole, less experienced player. There are new guys like Gary Payton, the second who yes, was here last year, but not as experienced. 
Lacey Galloway as a new addition to the Warriors. So there's just so many pieces. You said the word cohesion that need to be integrated into the Warriors system for them to have that early success this year. And Draymond Green is a really, really big part of getting these guys to mesh together. Absolutely. He's just such a vocal leader, obviously the heart and soul of this team in certain uh, aspects, but also just a guy that just is a huge focal point of the offense. As much as Steph Curry clearly is the system that runs the whole offense, et cetera. Draymond Green is the guy who takes on the ball once Steph Curry gets that triple team at half court. So then obviously the ball is in Draymond's hands to make the decisions from there. Now, Draymond had some interesting quotes. And of course, you know, the, a lot of the talk was about what he said about Andrew Wiggins vaccination status. And, and we don't need to dive into that because it's been talked about so much by now. But I really want to focus in on one thing. And people are asking, what are your thoughts on the roster? Like, what, what do you think? I believe it was Anthony Slater of The Athletic asking about this. And Draymond said, and this is in regards to young guys, new guys, prospects developing while you have this championship core of veterans and all of that trying to combine for a title. Draymond said, historically, we have not seen that work. He was referring to just teams in the past. You don't see title teams, title contenders usually try to develop guys while trying to compete for a title. Draymond's right. Sometimes it's, uh, it's interesting to have it said out loud by somebody on the team because he's pretty much saying, yeah, this is not the roster I necessarily would have constructed, but it's the one we're working with and we're going to do the best we can with it. And he's not making excuses. It's just the truth. This team normally, and this is the reason a lot of people are talking about the championship window for Steph Curry. They're saying, well, you have to trade away those draft picks to get, you know, veteran guys, guys are ready to contribute now. And I understand that sentiment, but the Warriors are hoping that someone like Jonathan Kaminga, maybe James Wiseman, are can't-miss prospects that are going to be great players eventually, and they feel like that is where they need to go. They need to start building for the future, too, at the same time. So, Kendra, I guess the, the hope is that the players they brought in, your Otto Porter, your Andre Iguodala, uh, Nemenya, I always do this, Nemanya, Nemanya, Nemanya Bialisa. I've been my whole life. I've been trained to say Nemanya my whole life since I was a young kid. Come on, <laughs> Nemanya. Anyway, uh, Bialisa, just th they're hoping these guys and then obviously Clay coming back can do enough that they don't have to rely on the younger guys. And so that that is the hope. It then, you know, the depth is a question mark at that point. So It'll be an interesting experiment, and we will learn a lot early on because, Kendra, if James Wiseman's not out there early on, we don't know how much Kaminga and Moody will get work. You just start saying, like, they're, they're, <laughs> they're towing a line where you just say, if they struggle early on, is it panic mode immediately, or do you just say, wait, 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 it'll be okay? Yeah, I mean, and that, that the latter question that you asked about if they struggle early – I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to sit here now on October 1st and say that, you know, they are going to panic or they're not going to panic and they say, wait it out. It is going to be just a wait and see kind of situation in terms of, of them trying to, you know, toggle that line of winning now and developing guys. I mean, like you said, Draymond is right. That historically that hasn't worked. It really didn't work for the Warriors last year. 
I do believe that the the adjustments that they've made in the coaching staff by bringing in Kenny Atkinson, by bringing in um, Dejan Milojevic to work with James Wiseman, that'll help. That won't fix everything or make them, you know, automatic go-to guys. But I think that that will help with this process. But I mean, I've, I've said it a lot of, many times, even before the draft, that no rookie that they draft is going to come in and have an immediate impact on this team. And I still don't think that that's, still think that's the case. I don't think that Moses Moody or Jonathan Kaminga are going to be the game changers that take this team from being a play-in team to a championship contending team. That was never going to be the case no matter who they drafted. The only way, like they would have to have traded this picks away, in my opinion, for that that portion of the roster to materialize into anything. So yeah, it is really going to come down to Otto Porter and Bielitsa and Andre Guadala and the return of of Clay Thompson. It's it's just an interesting thing to like try and say okay, well, which is more important because a lot of like winning now or trying to win in the future, a lot of people say, well, it's winning now. We need to get Steph Curry and Draymond and Clay as many rings as possible. And like, there's definitely an argument to that, but I don't think that the organization wanted to like put all of their eggs in one basket and then completely throw away their future because then in four or five years from now, we'll be having the same conversation of this team didn't do anything to help themselves in this moment. So it's, it's just all very tricky. It's one of those things that only time is going to tell how it works out. And, and that's just like what it is. You know, I feel like, I feel like it's really hard for me to like speak fully on this right now because it really is just going to be a wait and see type of thing. I feel like we've known that Steph Curry and Draymond Green might not have been 100% satisfied with the way that the Warriors, you know, use their picks or didn't trade them away and got didn't go after a superstar because they do want to win now but they have what they have and they have to work with what they got yeah i, I it is a results-based industry as uh, many industries are and it's one of those situations as you're saying that time will tell what was the right decision if this team wins a title right now and they start building for the future or if they trade these prospects for a big time guy and they help win a title, you know, then you go, Oh my goodness, they're brilliant. Right. But if they don't, or if there's something that fails or, and you know, it's just, it's going to be one of those situations and we can be hypothetical and we can speculate, but at the end of the day, it just, it just depends on how it plays out. And my other, my other question about this and Grant, we talked about this a lot throughout the off season, you know, before the draft picks were made and, um, who would the Warriors like in the free agent market or just guys who are looking to find new homes? We've talked about, okay, well, what's the possibility of them getting a star? Because that would surely help them win a championship right now. But when you looked at the market of stars that were actually available and then everything else, the Warriors would have given, had to have given up to get one of those stars would like, would it have been worth it? Again, that's a hearsay wait and see, but like if we talk about what it would have taken to get Bradley Beal to the Warriors, well, that was two draft picks and Andrew Wiggins and James Wiseman or Jordan Poole and this and that. And then you, like, as we talked about over the summer, you just start to break apart 
everything that the Warriors had. There would have been no cohesion either way because they would have had to give up half their team to go get a superstar. So it's, it's hard to say that not going to get a superstar was the wrong choice, simply also because of the fact of how much they would have given up. We know that the Warriors were making phone calls over the summer. We know that they were testing the waters. They were testing the market. They were fielding options. And if the right opportunity wasn't there, then maybe it was the right decision to use these picks and toggle this line of developing younger guys to and winning a championship because the superstar, the person who could have maybe done it right now, if they had to give up too much to get them, then maybe they wouldn't have won a championship anyway. Yeah, I think it just depends on which player it was and at the age of the player as well. Like a Ben Simmons, for instance, 25 years old, and they wouldn't give up everything for Ben Simmons because you have to figure out how it can work, right, in terms of the group. Uh, Bradley Beal, for instance, isn't that old either, right? And he's somebody that could play another five years and, and probably work very well with the with Steph and, and, and the core. So it just I think it really depends on the player. Uh, but just in general, though, I, I've been in the camp of if you can get a superstar, you get a superstar, right? And that's just kind of how it's always been. If you have a chance to do it, you do it if you keep your core and then you figure it out from there. Um, but at the same time, I do understand if, you know, they, they have very high hopes for Kaminga. And here's, here's a quote from Steve Kerr on Kaminga, for instance, on they were asking, how's he looked in camp so far? Because Steve Kerr hasn't spent a lot of time around Kaminga. Right. Mm -hmm. He is, he's really not, this is the first time seeing a lot of these guys in person, them playing. And they asked him, what, what do you think he can be position wise, et cetera. And here's what uh, Steve Kerr said right away. Immediately. He looks like a four because of his power and strength in his body and his ability to guard multiple positions. I think the easiest way for him to make an impact would be as a four in terms of limiting what he has to do offensively with decision-making being a dive man, a role man, a dribble handoff guy, and then being great defensively. If you really look at it with the Warriors, you know, if Jonathan Kaminga can they put him in the right role, perhaps he does blossom earlier, right? The, what he's saying is at a four position, the power forward position, not in just today's NBA, but with the Warriors particularly, that means that probably Draymond Green would be playing the five when they're talking about Kaminga at the four. In that case, he has to do very little ball handling, very little decision making. He just needs to do the small, simple things. However, just keeping in mind, you still have to learn how to play on the court with Steph Curry and Draymond Green. So I, I love, I actually really think that's the perfect position for Kaminga right now because he can guard some fives, he can switch on to threes, but you don't want to make him focus on those other guys. So there's Steve Kerr talking about what Kaminga can do right now. So as you were saying uh, before, Kendra, you trade all these picks and everyone away for a superstar. I think it really depends on the guy. What's the timeline of that guy? What's the financials of that guy? They have no ability to get a free agent, a big free agent. They just don't with the salaries they have. They're not getting free agents. So you have to trade and we'll see time will tell, right? If another guy becomes available and there's just, it, it'll be an interesting development as the season goes along. If, if someone like Bradley Beal wants to get out of Washington Obviously, there's vaccination questions right now regarding him, too. If he's unvaccinated, can he play in San Francisco? So, um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be something we're going to be talking about <laughs> quite a bit for a long time. And it is a results-based industry. We will see based on the results. One more thing, by the way. 
Andre Iguodala back. You mentioned Kenny Atkinson and Monty's conversation coming up very shortly is fantastic. Just talking about how Kenny Atkinson can kind of be that contrarian in the room to the other coaches. Um, Andre Iguodala, they brought him back to obviously help them play on the court, but also he's almost like a player coach at this point. And him being back, Kendra, just you again, like Draymond, you can see him talking up the players and he wants these guys to develop because he wants to win a title now too. Absolutely. When Mark Spears was on this pod with us last week, Mark said that he thought Kaminga's locker should be next to Andre Iguodala's. And from what Kaminga said on media day, it seems that that is the case is that Andre and Jonathan's lockers are right next to each other. And that is a great mentor for Jonathan to have. And even outside of him, you know, again, Moses, James, because Andre's leadership is very different than Draymond Green's style of leadership. And when Andre made the decision to come back to the Warriors, he told the New York Times about certain way, like things he wants to implement that he learned when he was in Miami, when he was away from the Warriors. So I think integrating all of the things that he has learned since his first stint with the Warriors and now coming back to this much younger team than they were when Andre was last here, I think that's going to be a really, really good addition. He's going to be able to just kind of calm everyone down, give really good advice and as you said, just be be a player coach. We don't know how much Andre is going to be actually playing. You know, he's an older guy. We don't know how his body is feeling. It seems to be feeling good, but still, they don't want to run him into the ground. So just having him here, whether it's on the floor, on the sidelines, in the locker room, is going to be a really big thing for this team. Absolutely. And it's just wonderful seeing back in the, the Warriors colors. And he's, it almost looks like he just he's always been here and never really left. Uh, so uh, I agree with everything you're saying. We don't know how much he's going to play. And, and there's a chance that he just kind of, you know, has some nights off. There's a chance he plays 20 minutes one game and there's a chance he plays five the other night. We don't know. And we'll see how he holds up as the season goes along. We also know him as somebody that they'd like to ramp up towards playoff time as well. So it's really a, a need basis. Do you need him early on more or can you just wait? a little later but Andre as he mentioned a long time ago he remembers uh, veterans like Kevin Ollie taking him under their wing and helping him become the player he was so hopefully he can be that for Kaminga and Moody and others so 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 interesting to see that develop and we're excited we're excited we get to talk training camp we get all these new uh (laughs) content to decide I think I think content is the word that I just keep on using because it's finally stuff the substance that we get to actually talk about that people are like yeah, let's let's have a discussion, not instead of speculations and, and hypotheticals. So, Kendra, without further ado, let's get Monty Poole has a conversation with Kenny Atkinson. Fantastic stuff. And then, of course, right after that, you'll hear part two of El Viaje about Juan Toscano Anderson's journey. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, this is Dubstock presented by Wendy's. Some of the... <clears throat> principles on offense at least that are, that are here um, you know are not very different from what D'Antoni does or, or what Ben Blumenholzer does in terms of the movement and stuff like that and playing you know wanting to play up tempo basketball there are some similarities in that respect offensively but it's different because of Steph <laughs> he yeah. makes everything different have you seen a player who can do what Steph does no no so I'm I'm almost like especially in the beginning here I'm like <laughs> I'm not sure how much I, I can add right away because I have to observe this in person and see what this looks like. Even when we've done some breakdown drills and, and practice, and then they're like, 
well, for sure they're going to double team Steph on this. So we got, and I, you know, I, I, I kind of never seen that. It's, you know, in having coach against Steph, you need special defenses against mm-hmm. him. You don't play conventionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, therefore the Warriors have to kind of practice a little bit unconventionally. So that is completely new territory um, in terms of, of, of a guy that can shoot shoot his ranges to half court. And he's, he's so agile with the ball. And it's yes. just... It's, it's fascinating. But his, the dimension that seems different from anybody else, too, is not just the shooting ability, but the off-ball movement. Yes. You know, and it's like shooters don't, you know, Reggie Miller moved a lot, you know, but he was flipping screens and stuff, you know. Steph is unique in what he does, it seems. So I could be wrong. Like, I know in the like, distance run per game, I know people <laughs> think he's one, right? He's always, he's always top, top five. Top five. Yep. I mean, you know, he reminds me of like a, a you know, what do they say? Soccer players run seven miles on a game. <laughs> like, he's, <laughs> like he'd be a great soccer player because he's just, just, he's moving, but he's also intelligent in how he finds the space, as you know. So mm-hmm. it's it's intelligent movement. Um, so I'm, um, you know, I'm, I, I can't wait to learn more about it. I, I would say there's a, a secondary piece um, is how guys get him open, his teammates. Mm-hmm. So that's something. If you know, you're man, you're you're constantly looking. You know, out of a normal pick and roll action, all of a sudden they have this pin in action that I'd never seen. You know, <laughs> I'd seen it on tape, but it's like, man, you guys run pick and roll, and then you're whenever Steph's in the lane, you're gonna go pin down for mm-hmm. him. And I hope. I don't, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets. No, no. You've seen it. It's just unique, yeah. unique, unique. And and I give Steve and his staff a lot of credit because they've they've created this kind of funky. Different yeah. dynamic because they've got a special player that's that you know plays differently than anybody in the league. Yeah, it's it's so different in that I mean it's imagine a player coming new to this team having to adjust to that. You know, we felt bad for James last year because he's a kid who's 19 with three games of college experience and he's got to play with Steph. And it's like how in the heck is he supposed to figure out what Steph does when he's not been anywhere near anybody like that before? And I think. You know, talking to the, the guys, you know, Q, the coaches mm-hmm. that have been here, you know, the, they're, they're kind of explaining to me, this is this is different. We need to help our, our, our role players and our younger players to understand what, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, developing them into future really good NBA players. So it's 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 really a... Uh, it's 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 um it's a it's an interesting challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. again, it, it comes back to what you say. You have a, you, you're such a unique player. It's different from anybody in the league. So, <clears throat> the basic question here now: Why'd you take this job? Um. Again, I uh, I think you know, looking at my kind of kind of past here, it, it, it's um looking uh, looking to learn more and looking for new challenges. I really enjoy that. I've, I've kind of been starting my playing career in Europe and then coaching career and play, I've always kind of taken a, a path that way where I, you know, there's some coaches that kind of like to stay in one organization, mm-hmm. they stay there. <clears throat> so thank God with the blessing of my wife. It's important. <laughs> I, I've been a traveler my whole life yeah. and I, 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 I enjoy that. The challenge of, of new situations, and it's 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 not always e- an easy decision because because you know I'll just say with the clip I was in a great great place. Ty, those guys we went to conference finals and around great players. It was an awesome experience. I will say me and Steve have a relationship going back a long time. 
um, you know, I, I have picked his brain for a long time because uh, I was, um, you know, I wasn't a, uh, um, I didn't drool over the championships, <laughs> you know, but I, I observed, I said, man, what, what can I use, mm -hmm. use from this, these championship teams? And I, I used to tell Steve, it's not only the winning, but the way you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was so um, um, kind of impressive to me. And I used to ask him, you know, when I was, hey, especially the off-ball screening stuff, mm -hmm. like, because I wasn't up, kind of up to speed to that. Mm -hmm. He was always, like, generous. In, in, in helping me, like, like hey, you know, this is kind of how we screen and transition, this is where we look, you know, he would give me details. So we, we created this almost like a, you know, kind of kind of respect for, for exchanging ideas for a long time. And I had no idea. I think I got his number, like, we didn't, you know, yeah, I never played with him on the board. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, just as a colleague, I just started texting him, and he was like, Really generous, mm, and, that's, that and, and, get, right. and, and a lot of coaches like that. But he was above and beyond mm -hmm. in giving me information, and it helped me. Um, it helped me as a head coach, but also when I was an assistant coach in places. He, he, uh, again, the off-ball screening is just one of one of mm -hmm. the one of the areas that I, I uh, and, and, and you know, um, and to just just uh, again. Um, and to continue that relationship, continue be building my, because uh, I, you don't really know about it until, until you're in it and, mm -hmm. and understand the details of it, like we were talking about before. So, <clears throat> Mike Brown, like, told me this, you know, four years ago. He said, you know, he's had three head coaching jobs, and he said, the one thing he's learned, and this was after he got in here. He said, one thing I've learned is that you shouldn't just take any job. He said because sometimes you. You want to be a head coach so bad, you take it because it's there for you. But he goes, you learn along the way that the organization and the support around for you within the organization matter a lot. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree. Like that is like, and that's that's kind of what my beginning story was. That was really I've been lucky, I think, to pick, mm -hmm. you know. Pick the right and you know pick the right organizations with the people you know starting at the top. So that's front office ownership. I think I do think it it starts there. Understanding what the really good programs was, uh, are, um, and I would say you know just the last two years. You know I, you know um, you know pandemic. Hey, are you going to coach? I was like, um, I'm going to continue to learn. Uh, but if I'm going to do it, I want to be with with really good programs. Yeah. I wasn't just going to take. Take any any uh, you know kind of any job. How important is it for you to <clears throat> once again be a head coach? Not, and this is the truth. Just uh, again, I think um, I look at it like just just I'm so process oriented. Just improving myself. I I, I uh, it's not like it's not on my bulletin board. It's not on my front door. It's like man, I'm whatever job I'm doing. Is to do that to the, the best mm -hmm. of my ability, and what comes my way, what co is comes my way, and I would even, you know, I'd, when I was Atlanta, I said uh, when I wasn't a you know first assistant, or I, I was the same mentality. I did it. And maybe I don't know why. I'm not like one of those guys that says, "Hey, that's my goal to be." It was never, you know, never my goal sheet to be a head coach. Like man, whatever kind of job you do in the NBA, it's worth. I say this all the time, like man, I, 
I always feel like I'm hanging on by my fingernails in the NBA. Because, <laughs> Monty, you've been around long enough. There's a lot of, lot of talented mm -hmm. people that, mm -hmm. that all of a sudden you look around and you're not in the league anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's my, my, my fear. What, I, what keeps me up at night is like, I'm not, you know, geez, I got to stay in this league. So that is really my goal to stay in the league because it's, it's the best job in the world. Steve, Steve said this yesterday, the day before yesterday. I asked him about you. I asked him about the new faces on the staff, and he said that um, you you bring a different voice. And he said, and he said, we, you know, we need a, a diversity of voices. And, and he said, and, and Kenny's not afraid to play devil's advocate and kind of be that guy that kind of says, well, what if, you know? Yeah. Or, how do you get comfortable doing that when you first walk into the building? Yeah, I. I I think it's part of my personality, you know. Um, uh, you know, if I if I have a well thought out idea, mm -hmm. idea that I think this worth bringing to the table, I'm definitely not not going to be the quiet one. Mm -hmm. I'll bring it to the group, and and I I love to um, kind of you know put an idea on the table, debate it, fight about mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. disagree, mm -hmm. and then you know the you know, get together united at the end. But I I, I really enjoy. Kind of the conflict of the sparring going on, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And I think most of the time I do it in a good way. So yeah. if it's a if I didn't sleep well, maybe it you know like it gets a little, uh, but I, I, I enjoy that. That's part of what's great about this job, enjoying you know kicking stuff around with, with the staff, and then and but I always say this I, I think it is an assistant, you know, 85 to 90 percent of your ideas get rejected. <laughs> Bring them out to the yeah. I think to bring them, bring them out to the on the table. That can make you feel like a failure, though. It's like yeah, yeah but I think it. what I've seen in the past, though, like maybe two months down the road, you, know, mm -hmm. you threw it out there, yeah. you revisit it, and hey, maybe maybe we will play a zone, or maybe we'll mm -hmm. play a box and one, and you know, um, I've always kind of been a a, uh, a little bit out of the box thinker, like just just not afraid. Of, um, um, so in the assistant role, I, I definitely want to push out new ideas. Well, and the thing is, I mean, you know, that's one of the things that all the guys say Steve is great at, at welcoming different opinions and different ideas and incorporating everybody's opinions and coming up with, a, you know, with one that works. Absolutely. You know? And yeah. that's kind of the basis of our, that's a base of our relationship. We just, we were always like, even when he's coaching championship teams, we'd be kicking around, hey, do you want to see it? You know, we'd be kind of kick around crazy ideas. You know, um, so that that that's another reason why I think it's a good fit. And the famous story is, you know, Nick, you're in. Brought an idea that Steve used in the final stop. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, who is Nick? You're in. He's not even a coach, but he had an idea. He saw something, and they used it, and it worked. And so a lot of coaches wouldn't take a second to hear what that guy would say. So we've had like, two practices, and already, you know, some, uh, uh, you know, there, there's been two or three ideas just kicked around from the kind of video room. Mm -hmm. um, there's one from the player development staff, and he just said, "Hey, I like that. Let's do it." <laughs> and there are, there are other coaches that come in and say, "Here's the practice plan. Here's what we're doing." Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, okay, you know, and kind of task coaches. You're doing mm -hmm. this. You're doing this. That you're you're. Um, and there's not a lot of dialogue with 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 Steve. There's a there's a ton of dialogue. Um, it's it's kind of a, a we we get to that point where mm -hmm. it, you know you get, you can practice structure and all that. But there's 
there's a collaborative way of, of getting to that at that point. That's see, that's that's like a fun that's a fun mm -hmm. way to work. It's really cool. Well, that's one of the things that obviously would, would make a guy feel comfortable because you want to be able to you don't want to repress yourself. You want to be able to just say what you think and how you feel. And working with Steve would seem to be inviting that. You know, just yes, yes by all means. And uh, you know, <coughs> you read, you know, I was involved in the draft day kind of us and you know the coaches in the draft process and, and we had a say there and you know, um, you know flew to Florida to visit Kaminga mm -hmm. and then you know people asking European like man you feel like you're you're really a part of this like like you're 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 involved in in, in kind of the, the decision making in the process and, and whether they take your idea or not, you go home and say, man, I I had a I had a kind of in it. I had a I had a role in in, in our decision making process. So I think with this organization, when I say it, it, it's it's across the board, you know, yeah. Bob, Bob is Bob is the same. It's, same it's great to work in a place where you feel like they're listening to you. Yeah. Even if they don't take all your ideas, but you sense that they you know they hear me, they hear what I'm saying, and some of it they'll take, and some of it they'll be like, eh. But at least they're listening to me. You're not closing the door. What you ideas. have you have such a better feeling when you go home when yeah. you go home uh, uh, from. From work and, and get your your drive home, whatever. It's like, man, I, I, I I'm in a, I'm in a good place, yeah. a, you know, a, a collaborative place. That's so that's so fun. Last two things I wanted to ask you about is what kind of feel you're getting for the rookies on uh, coming in movie. I mean, like I said, I was you know having the luck lucky to be to be involved in the process of evaluating them in the draft. I'm, I'm I am uh, um, I'm super excited. Um, I'm also nervous to figure out. And nervous is the wrong way, but but uh, I think it's it's as you know, Monty. It's it's going to be a challenge how it all fits, mm -hmm. and to figure all that out. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a you know obviously a good team, really you know really good team, and, and a lot of vets, and 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 uh, just figuring that puzzle. How we um, obviously want to win at a high level, mm -hmm. and at the same time develop these guys and and, and integrate them. So, um, but. I love the talent. Um, I, 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 I love the love the people. I, I love the you know the, the, the personalities. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like I'm, I'm so so bullish on, on on you know both of them. I think they're they're gonna be really really good. Juan Toscano Anderson's journey to the NBA was certainly a path less traveled. Along with his mother, Patricia, we discussed this unlikely trek, which began way back in high school. Known then as Juan Anderson, the Castro Valley High School standout led his team to new heights. But instead of staying put in California, he turned down the likes of Cal Berkeley and UCLA to stretch his wings all the way to Wisconsin. I come from a Latino family. There's you know, basketball wasn't a big thing, and there was nobody to, like, show me the way. I didn't have a friend or an older cousin or anybody who played college basketball who had went through the process of recruiting. So everything that we were going through at that time, my mom and I was new to us. Well, I won't mention the schools, but, you know, in basketball recruiting, they come to your home. So one coach came in and 
He said, well, you know, I prepare guys for the NBA. Juan. I didn't even say anything. I just looked at Juan and Juan put his head down because he knew that was off the list. Marquette University head coach Buzz Williams appealed to the Chiscano family with his emphasis on character. The most important thing for me is not who they are as a player, it's who they are as a person. I can figure out the player part of it relatively quick. I remember we were actually sitting in Buzz's office and my mom goes, Buzz, I don't give a damn about basketball. I want my son to graduate college. And I looked at her and I'm just like, Mom, I'm coming here to play basketball. But I was a 16, 17-year-old kid. He eventually chose Marquette. He was very unhappy there. You know, he was always upset and I was always, it's like, we are exactly where God wants you to be. College sports, it's a machine, you know, some of these kids are going to come and go and sometimes these coaches look at that like, I'll get another kid if, you know, you can't do what I want you to do. And he wasn't that way. How about that? You know when the last time he played was? Not this smart. I trust him. I trust him. But even though I wasn't playing, even when I wanted to transfer, I remember sitting in his office and he said, I think this is the best place for you. You should stay here. Seeing those relationships and how they developed and what they taught me and you know, how much Buzz cared for me off the court has gone a long way. You know, we went through boot camp and I remember he would challenge me and I called my mom and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't want to play for him anymore. And he would always tell me, he says, once you complete this boot camp, nothing in your life is going to be hard. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. Like there's nothing that I feel like I can't achieve or nothing that I can't overcome just because like mentally, physically and emotionally, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. And so. Me going there and learning those life lessons and going through those experiences, you know, they pay dividends. You considered at one point getting a job in Silicon Valley. Yeah. At that point in your life, what was the thinking going on in your head and saying, okay, maybe it might be time to look for a more standard job and maybe not follow this basketball dream? There's only 450 NBA jobs, give or take. And the NBA seems so far-fetched to me. Um, I didn't have anybody knocking on, on my door, didn't have anybody calling me, and didn't have my name on any mock drafts or anything like that. I was just kind of like, oh, this is kind of done. You know, all good things come to an end, right? One day I'm going to have to retire. Whether it was in 2015 or whether it would be in 2045, who knows? And that's just how I looked at it. The one thing I am is I'm a realistic person, but I'm glad that I was able to still be optimistic and still just, you know, pursue playing basketball. Toscana continued to ply his trade back home in the San Francisco Bay Area Pro-Am League, dominating the local competition. Once again, he decided on a change of scenery, a journey which allowed him to discover his game and his heritage. Mexico wasn't the NBA. Nobody talks about Mexico. When I was about to come to Mexico, people were telling me not to because it's a waste of time. It's not a good league. People don't get paid. All these, you know, things. But I still went anyway. Everybody's experience is different, and I'm not going to base my choices off someone else's experience or their opinion. Now, will I take it and use it? Yeah, I'll apply it. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to let that be the ultimate deciding factor of you know what I do in my life.
And you alluded to my next question, which was then what's the thought process of coming to Mexico and playing? Because I mean, from the way you talk about it, you understood that it might not be the most lucrative place to play. It was a lot of fun, honestly. It's one of the best times of my life. Moscano kicks it out. Three. It was competitive. There were some good players down here. There were some players who had NBA experience coming here. I was playing on a national team. I knew that I was going to be able to showcase my talents to the rest of the world. Toscano, what a find this kid is for Mexico. You know, we're all fighting for the same jobs. We're all trying to get to the NBA or to ACB or Russia, EuroLeague or whatever. And so um, I was just trying to find the next best opportunity to prepare myself and put myself in position to keep elevating in my career. Toscano takes it in, contact L1. With the name Toscano now on the back of his jersey, the Oakland native made Monterey a second home, leading Fuerza Regia to two league titles and even taking home the MVP trophy in 2018. While in Mexico, I got a chance to speak with his agent, Moses Cohen, one of Europe's best talent evaluators. I have the coach from Monterey, Paco Olmo. He called me and said, hey, there's this Mexican kid, you know, that he's really good. You know, you should take a look at him. I receive calls like this, 150 per year. You know, I was like, sure, for sure. I, when, next time I go over there, I would take a look. Moscano, three, oh, baby! When I went to Monterrey to see a game, I was really surprised and impressed. You know how this kid was playing, at what kind of the level, and what kind of projection he could become to, you know? So I have to talk to this kid and try to find out if he would like to go to Europe to play because level of basketball is much better and his career could go better. It's kind of easy to get lost or go down a rabbit hole when you're playing overseas because, you know, sometimes you're making good money. It's kind of hard to jump situations, especially if you're in a good situation where the money's good, the money's on time. You, you know, you're in a city where you like. You're only playing three to four hours of basketball out of the day, so you know you got to be in a city that you like. So when did the NBA and the G League kind of come back into the picture as a move that you wanted to make? I think I started to hone in on that after uh, I had one MVP here in Mexico. We won the championship. I won two slam dunk contests, two all-star MVPs, and then I went to Venezuela and I didn't like that situation. I didn't like it because at the time the country was really dangerous and I, I was actually scared. Thousands taking to the streets yet again today after weeks of violent protests in the capital city of Caracas. Fortunately, as Americans, we don't know that side of the world. We live in a really protected country and that was just like a whole culture shock to me. I was just like, I can't do this for a few dollars. I can't be unhappy, away from my family, uh, and kind of like putting my life at risk. We thought the middle step could be to go to EuroLeague and then be good in EuroLeague and then jump on the NBA. So Santa Cruz, it was an option, the, the Warriors. The situation was good. It was close enough to home, and I knew that the G League was situational. He said he wanted to go to Santa Cruz. That's where he was from. That was his team that he always dreamed to play on. So many people were telling me, don't go, you're not gonna play, you're not drafted. You know, when their assignment guys come down, et cetera, et cetera. So I was aware of that. I said, look, 
money is not the same, you know, and the projection, I believe, is much better Europe for this moment. But he said, no, I want to play on the NBA. I want to play for Golden State Warriors, and I will do anything on my hand to do it. If the basketball portion wasn't working out for me, at least I was close to home. At least I can go see my mom, my brothers and sisters. At least I can see my grandpa. I could still be happy outside of basketball. I'm not going to let basketball determine, you know, my happiness. The law for one! Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.